So let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Lord, I thank you, Father, for uh, as we go through this this morning, Father, August 27th is already upon us, and Lord, uh, it feels like fall in the air, and that's a great, great thing. So, Lord, I just pray that as we talk about shame this morning, that, uh, Lord, we, we will not be shameful, but, uh, Lord, we know in you we're shameless, and we're grateful for that. So, Lord, uh, lead us by the power of your Spirit this morning, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, got lots to cover this morning. Part of this was prompted uh, by the study that currently the intern class is going through. Um, this morning we have a chapter due that's on pornography, and so it's going to uh, spark a lot of, lot of conversation. So immediately after this class, I go and teach an intern class here of uh, young adults, and um, they have a big, thick book that they're going through, and, and it's, uh, it's been pretty interesting the last three or four weeks. It's, it's really diving into some tough subjects, especially for their age. But uh, today I want to talk to you about shame, and you can kind of see it on the questions there. We're going to go through, through shame and talk about, uh, uh, it kind of stems off of last week's message. Last week's message, we talked about being a victim and victimhood, and we're called to be victors and not victims. Guys, if you walk in shame, I'll just tell you something right now that there's a good chance that you, walked in, that you walk in victimhood. Now, you may not see it that way. Shame has a tendency to cause us to hide and to do things in the shadows and to live in the shadows instead of living in the light. Shame is very different from guilt, and I'll unpack the two here in just, just a moment. Uh, I wanted to start with a story. Years ago, I was in the northern Sahara back in 2006, and, and it was kind of interesting. We... Uh, uh, we're trying to get a taxi to take us uh, across the Berber Mountains. It's probably uh, about an eight-hour drive to go across into the northern Sahara. Uh, it's very desolate, and and uh, so we got a taxi cab driver, got ready. I was with a team of six, and um, as as went to get in the taxi, all of a sudden the the driver disappeared, and so it was frustrating. If you've ever been over there and don't speak the language, it's just very frustrating. So finally. Got an interpreter. We had to go find this driver. Well, he had determined that uh, they're on a whole different time schedule. Matter of fact, days don't even matter to them. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and so he had decided that we weren't going to pay him enough, so he just kind of jumped out of us uh, and left us in a taxi. So um, this guy starts, they start going back and forth. Well, it turns into a heated argument, and they're yelling and screaming at each other. Of course, we're standing out there have no idea what they're saying. And basically, the interpreter was saying, shame on you, shame on you, shame on you. Now, if you're in the Middle East or through the northern uh, Sahara, I would say northern Africa, any of that Middle Eastern type uh, area, if you say shame on somebody, um, that is huge. That's a, that, that is a huge, huge embarrassment for them because you are not supposed to shame anyone. And so when you say shame, you're telling a man that he has no integrity, that, that uh, his business is shameful that he is shameful, that he's casting shame on their family. It's one of the reasons why they shoot, throw the, the sandal. <laughs> that's, that's a form of shame, of shaming someone. So um, it's the bottom of the foot is what it represents, just the lowest of lowest of humanity. And so uh, I didn't realize this. Uh, I was kind of pushing the interpreter, yeah, keep whatever you're doing, man. They, this guy needs to get in and drive us across this desert, right? <clears throat> and so... Uh, I didn't realize, though, why the guy got so mad, and it's because of this, this shame and, and the power of shame. Shame disconnects us. Shame is, the, in, in some ways, the fear of disconnection. First of all, we should probably admit, whether we like it or not, we are all hardwired for connection, 
And what shame does is shame begins to, to wedge itself in and begin to push us out. We are psychologically, emotionally, cognitively, and spiritually hardwired for connection, love, and belonging. You know, the church, I say this every week, is the ecclesia. It's one built upon the other. It means that we are to be connected. We as men need one another. The problem with men is we're somewhat um, independent when we're hardwired to be together. And what happens is the more alone we get, the more things we do in the dark, the more things we do in the dark, the more isolated we become, the more isolated we become, the more shame we hold on to and we walk in. So connection along with love and belonging, two expressions of connection is why we are here and is what gives purpose and meaning to our lives. So let's jump into this. Um, the definition of shame. So my definition is the shame or the fear that shame is the fear of disconnection. It's the fear that something we've done or didn't do, done or failed to do, an idea that we've not lived up to or a goal that we have not accomplished makes us unworthy to connect. I'm not worthy or good enough for love, belonging, or connection. I'm simply un I'm unlovable. I don't belong. So shame is an intensely painful feeling. You've probably all felt it. If you've done something that you're not supposed to do, like I said, today in the intern class this morning at 730, when I go to meet with them, we're going to be talking about shame because of pornography, the things that are done in the dark. Dr. Brene Brown, she's done years of research on all of this. She says that shame, had, shame is that intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. So in Matthew 27, verse 4, let's jump in the scriptures. And here we're talking about Judas, and you're going to see where Judas has shame, and shame causes him to somewhat run and walk in the shadows, and from those shadows, it becomes dangerous for his life. Matthew 27, 4. I have sinned, he said, for I have betrayed innocent blood. Now, if you're not a Christian this morning, or if you don't know scripture, the innocent blood is Jesus, all right? Judas is the one that betrayed Jesus, meaning that um, for some silver, he, he exposed where he was and who he was. And so this is Judas feeling bad about it afterwards. He's walking in shame. And then uh, here are the religious scribes. They say, what is that to us? They replied, that's your responsibility. And in verse 5, so Judas threw the money into the temple and left. Then he went away and hanged himself. The chief priest picked up the coins and said, it is against the law to put this into the treasury since it is blood money. I think it could be said that Judas experienced extreme shame for what he had done, which led to the ultimate disconnect. The ultimate disconnect connection is what? Death. Um, when people oftentimes uh, commit suicide, it's because somewhere in them, they have a disconnection from themselves, from God, and from one another. Those are the three areas we tend to disconnect. And so men, when people walk in shame, they begin to disconnect. They feel like, you know what, the world's better without me than it is with me. And, and let's, not, let's all be truthful this morning. We've all at some point in time thought that, right? I mean, we, we, the, I don't care who you are, I'm a preacher. And there are times that I go, goodness, it, it doesn't come up often, but I go, man, Lord, uh, help me understand this and help me to get them to understand this and help me to understand you because right now I feel really disconnected. I don't think I want to do it. I'm not so sure they wouldn't be better without me than with me, right? We've asked that question. Sometimes we feel that way, and unfortunately, Judas experienced this to the extreme part of shame, and it caused an ultimate disconnect. 
We see the effects of shame all around us today. Cyberbullying, teenage suicide rates are at an all-time high. Children who are molested yet don't re report it because of why? Because they're shamed. Most rapes go unreported because of shame. And here's the thing. We, the church, have the answers to, 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 to what shame is and to, to how to be healed from having a shameful life. And we need to teach on these things. We understand it's been with us since the garden. If you remember, um, they both were walking in the garden. And what does it say? They were naked and unashamed. All right. They weren't naked and shamed. Not yet. They were naked and unashamed. So God's goal for us is to be able to be naked, if you will, spiritually and be unashamed. To know that we were bought with a price of his blood. And that should alone help us to begin to understand that we don't have to walk in shame. It doesn't mean that we won't trip. It doesn't mean that we won't fall. It doesn't mean that sin won't happen. But it means that, that, that we don't have to stay in that sin and therefore become shamed or shameful. So after the sin of the garden, what did they do? They hid themselves. They were ashamed, and God had to make coverings for them. In some ways, they disconnected, right? They went away and hid themselves. They did the things in the dark. We all have it. The only people who don't experience shame lack the capacity. Now, this, uh, this explains one of you out there. The only person who does not experience shame lacks the capacity for empathy and human connection. I'm just giving you, y'all are trying to figure out who I'm talking about. So either you are a normal human, human being or you are a sociopath, all right? We are all afraid to talk about shame. The less we talk about shame, the more control it has over our lives. Shame is particularly hard to nail down at times because it hates to have words wrapped around it. Let me go to my next page here. Shame hates being spoken. By that, I mean it hates and generally flees from vulnerability, which is our willingness to speak to those in our treasured circle. So the, the men that you have at your table, the, men's, the men that you meet with throughout the day, oftentimes shame will keep us from putting what needs to be put on the table and exposing it to the light. Shame has its own little matrix. When I or you use fear to shame, then blame, then judge is the result of disconnection. In other words, there's kind of a way this unpacks. If I'm fearful, then what happens is oftentimes I become shameful because through my fear and my unwillingness to confront my fear, I become shameful. If I'm unwilling to bring my fear in front of you because I'm afraid of what you'll do, my shame in front of you because I'm afraid of what you'll do, then what happens is that goes on to, to blame. I don't know why God made me this way. And then from blame, then oftentimes we'll take that to, to a judgment. And judgment goes to disconnection. In other words, I'm going to judge God, I'm going to judge others because I feel like they judged me. And we tend to think that shame lurks in the dark recesses of our early and latter childhood, that people affected by shame experience some kind of unimaginable trauma, trauma, but that's not necessarily true because of the way our culture works today. It used to be somewhat true, but today our culture is very different. Because you have phones in your hand, because you're, you have access to computers, because of the things that your eyes can see, shame can happen in a moment, in an instance, and it can be your fault, not the fault of others. And so it's a whole, whole different thing here as we start to unpack shame. So I've got a, a few categories here. Let me show you where shame kind of comes from. One is appearance and body image. A lot of people are shameful because of how they look today because of how they compare 
on their websites or anything else like that. Um, another one is money and work. It's one of the first questions we ask. We ask people, what do you do, right? Because we put a value on that, and if they don't live up to that value, then uh, they need to walk in shame, or we shame them, or sometimes we shame ourselves because we don't measure up in that way. Uh, motherhood, fatherhood, I see a lot of it in that, that we're, we've not been the moms or the dads that we've been called to be, and your family and your parenting, mental and physical health, addictions, oftentimes cause us to be shamed and to live in shame, sex is right up there aging um, a lot of lot of men so uh, if you watch easy <laughs> if you uh, watch the commercials today they really they really make an appeal for uh, your shameful ways right uh, if uh, if you're not half the man you used to be right then you can take this pill you can take this whatever it is you know and and so um, they they, they kind of play on this this shame. They use it as a marketing tool in order for you to purchase so maybe you don't have to uh, or maybe you can be a little bit better, a little bit uh, stronger, uh, a little bit more of a man um, around your wife, right? And it's unfortunate that they really play on this. Religion is another one. Surviving trauma oftentimes, um, survivor's guilt, people in the military who have uh, lost friends, have lost brothers in the field. Uh, they have survivor's guilt. Sometimes that can lead to shame. Um, you can uh, be stereotyped or labeled, and, and that can, can be shameful. Um, this is the danger in racism. Racism will try to, try to use a color to get you to walk in shame, and that's just a terrible thing. None of us chose our color. That's, that's just ridiculous. And so um, some of the emotions that come out of that, embarrassment, is the first one I've got listed. It's the least serious of the four emotions. It's normally um, fleeting, and it can become eventually uh, a funny story in your life. You know, I used to, uh, for years, right before I'd go out to preach, I always check my zipper. And the one time I didn't check my zipper, I preached the whole message before somebody, as I step off stage, said, hey, did you know your zipper was it? And I was like, you're messing with me. And I turned around, I my zipper, right? That's just embarrassment, and embarrassment is usually fleeting. We know other folks that have done the same thing, and, and you might blush. It doesn't define us. You know, we kind of laugh through it, and we get over that. But the next emotion that comes is humiliation. Now, humiliation is, is uh, taking it to another, another level. Um, it feels terrible. It makes for miserable work or home environment. Uh, it turns into shame if, if you continue to buy into the message. Humiliation, although it's difficult, can be overcome. If we align ourselves back with our values, all right, and our values are of God. And then uh, guilt is I did something bad. So the third one that I have listed here is guilt, and that simply means that I did something bad, all right. And so I'm walking as a, as a guilty person. And then the, the fourth one is shame, and that's, that's I am bad. So guilt is I did something bad, and shame is what? I am bad. So you go to where you make shame your identity. And shameful people are different because shameful people oftentimes wind up being wallflowers because they're so disconnected. We don't use that term wallflowers. You young people don't even know what that is anymore. Right? I used to go to a dance, you know, and there'd be some, some girls standing up against the wall that just looked like flowers. <laughs> Y'all didn't even think that's funny. They didn't smell like flowers. Anyway. I'm just kidding. See, I just shamed someone out there. I don't know. 
shame. I am bad, right? If your self-talk is is God, then and and then then you'll pick yourself up. In other words, if you think about what what God says about us, that we're the children of God, that we're the priesthood of all believers, that even though a righteous man falls, he gets up seven times. Seven is the infinite number in Scripture. As long as we give ourselves proper self-talk, we probably will not walk in shame. But let me tell you, if you start speaking like, I am a loser, I'm a failure, that's, that's shame. Those are shameful words. Now, let me, let me use Jesus as an illustration through these emotions real quick. I just gave you four emotions, right? And, and I want to show you and share with you just kind of uh, process with me kind of Jesus. I don't believe that Jesus, no, he didn't walk in shame. Uh, he didn't walk in guilt, although he was guilty. That sounds crazy, but the sins of the world fell upon him, right? And so because of that, uh, he took on the guilt that we were supposed to have. He took on humiliation. I believe humiliation was one of those things. When Jesus was in the garden, he knelt down. He said, Father, if it be thy will, remove this cup from me, yet not my will be done, but thine be done. What is Jesus doing here? He's, he's saying, man, I'm about to go and be a public display, right? And that's humiliating. Naked, hanging on a tree is humiliation. And, and for the Jewish culture, to hang on a tree was the worst form of punishment that you could have because it actually meant that this man is guilty. That's what it meant. So here we have guilt, we have humiliation, we have embarrassment. The embarrassment, the way Jesus was embarrassed, is a little bit different. Because in the same passage of Scripture there in Luke chapter 21, 22, um, what you'll find is that Jesus, when he's praying in the garden, you know, it says that his drops, his sweat became as, as though they were drops of blood. And I've explained this before, but that's an extreme embarrassment. That, that simply means that the capillaries just below the skin filled so rapidly with blood, they actually burst. And then the sweat glands push that blood to the outside of the skin. And um, it is an extreme form of what we would consider embarrassed. If somebody's embarrassed, what, what happens to them? They turn red. And that the same thing's happening there. It's just not at the rate or at the capacity that, that actually bursts those capillaries just below the skin level. So it's a form of embarrassment, or embarrassment kind of helps you see uh, what Jesus went through. Now, it's not because he did anything. It's because he was taking on the sins of the world. And guys, men of God, this is why we don't have to walk in shame. Because it's been paid for. That all, everything fell on Jesus. Everything fell on Jesus. So in saying that, if you're out there and you feel like you are bad, if your self-talk is I'm a loser and I'm a failure, that's dangerous. Because that, that, that will tell you that you're guilty as well. That you did something bad and now you've become bad. So guilt oftentimes leads to this place of shame. Humiliation follows. People believe they deserve shame. They do not believe they deserve um, anything else but shame. I'm humiliated for what I've done. And there again, it's self-talk. Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11. For the life of a creature is in the blood, and I've given it to you to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. Now, in Hebrews chapter 10, and by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice in the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. So in Hebrews, what I just taught was that, that there has to be a sacrifice in order to make an atonement for you. 
And then uh, I, I took us over, or in Leviticus, there had to be an atonement made, and I took us to Hebrews to show us where the atonement comes from. It comes from Jesus. You don't have to walk in shame. Jesus paid the price so we would not walk in the shadows, but we would walk in the light as he is in the light. It's important that you see that. And we'll move us on. So one of the ways that we can walk in the light is simply this, that we can prevent shame in our life is, I'm sorry, to walk in the light as he is in the light. First John tells us to confess our sins, therefore, to one another, and he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So let me ask you a question. Do you feel like you're cleansed from all unrighteousness this morning? Do you feel like you walk in shame this morning? Do you understand that it's been paid for this morning? Do you walk as a victim or a victor? Same question we had last week. Are you reaching out? Are you owning your own story? It takes courage to do so. They overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. I'm always going to go back to these two things. The blood of the lamb is what we just talked about in Leviticus. It's what we just talked about in Hebrews. That your sins are atoned for. It is as it should be. The very definition of righteousness has to play out in our lives, men. To be men of God, it's got to. So how do we stop then the things that we're shamed for? Any suggestions? Give it to God. Repent. Good, good. Those are great answers. You have opportunity to answer those at your table and use those answers. I want to tell you this. It's okay to own your story. All right? Um, the the intern's going to hear this this morning. You've got to own your story when it's... When it's pornography, you got to own that. Hey, I'm struggling with pornography. Um, I need to, that's just their subject this morning, so we're going to talk about that. Because pornography is one of the, the tools of the devil that causes men to walk in shame just about every step of their lives. And, and, and what we're seeing now is addiction in pornography. So those types of things, um, learn to own your story, learn to share your story, bring it to the light, learn to speak shame. In other words, uh, not that you are shamed or shameful, but be, don't be afraid to say, hey, you know, at this moment in my life, I feel like uh, I'm, I'm guilty, and I feel like it's that guilt is leading me over to this place of shame. It's good to talk about how you feel. It's good to talk uh, to someone else who, who can speak into your situation. Learn to hold your heart in a valuable way. And as you own your story, understand something about your story. The blood of the Lamb, the Word of his testimony. If I own this story, here's the cool thing. I get to write my ending. And so what kind of ending will you write? Jesus has made a way for your ending to write not only your story, but to really to write his. That I am walking free, as Galatians 5 tells me. It is for freedom that we are, are called to be free. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free, not to be yoked to a yoke of slavery or a yoke of burden, right? And so he has set us free not to walk in shame and disconnect and hide ourselves, not to walk in guilt and think that uh, we've done something bad. Shame says I am bad. Guilt says I, I, I've done something bad. 
right? Not to have to walk in embarrassment, but to know that, that Christ has set us free and that we are truly free indeed. So own your story, men. And to, uh, this morning with some of those questions, you have the opportunity to uh, get in there and, and talk about shame, own your story, and get some prayer. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you, Lord, that uh, you have broken the bonds of shame. And Lord, so many of us disconnect and we wind up in the shadows of life, and yet you called us to walk in the light as you were in the light. And Lord, the way we do that is to accept what you've done for us, to repent, and Father, to continue to follow you. Lord, you are a God of light because you are light, and you lead us to the light. And so, Lord, let our eyes be fixed on you, the author and perfecter of our faith. Continue to lead us to the light so that we will be found as holy vessels leading others to your light. In Jesus' name, amen.